0: This is an OSV Podcast Network production. To learn more, visit osvpodcasts.com. Today's episode is sponsored by the Catholic TV Network, the oldest Catholic television network in the United States. But Catholic TV is not just on television. Check out Catholic TV's YouTube channel for original series, like Superheroology, which looks at the connections between the faith and your favorite superheroes. Or Vizio Divina, which guides you through scripture-based meditations on sacred art. On Catholic TV's YouTube channel, you'll also find prayers of the Church and daily homilies from the Catholic TV Mass. Subscribe at youtube.com slash catholic tv.
1: Millions of Catholics will show up in our churches, but feel anonymous in our pews. The question is, will we let them stay nameless? St. Oscar Romero said, you say you love the poor, name them. So I ask you today, you say you love the church, the people of God, name them. This is OSV Talks,
2: a show where we explore topics from prominent Catholic leaders to spark discussion, explore new or re-explore old approaches, and inspire creative thinking all from the heart of the church. My name is Doug Took, and I will be your host. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Jonathan Lewis, VP of Customer Operations for Catholic Faith Technologies, working in parish and diocesan ministry for over 15 years. That's how I met him. Appointed by Pope Francis as an auditor to the Synod on Young People, the Faith, and Vocational Discernment in 2018. Jonathan, I love that we're having this conversation right now.
1: Always fun to talk on podcasts after all the offline so conversations. so great
2: to have you here. I love this. I appreciate it. Uh, Jonathan, You, we were I, God, I cannot remember. It was a conference? And you came up to me total straight and you were like, let's go have a beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we San met. Antonio. That's what it was. That's what it was. Magic at the riverwalk. Uh, and that was fantastic. And we <laughs> and we come from totally different places, but have like our, our careers have just traversed back and forth. Tell me about Catholic Faith Technologies. What's what's going on? What are you guys doing?
1: Yeah. So Catholic Faith Technologies or CFT, we're a technology partner to Catholic churches, organizations, nonprofits. Uh, and providing online learning as well as member engagement platforms. So we work with about 25 dioceses and other 25 national Catholic organizations in elevating uh, a diversity of voices in the area of formation. Love it. Uh, but also just supporting churches and organizations and member engagement, donor management. It's this work of digital accompaniment, which is kind of what I'm talking about. This and week.
2: that's, yeah, so that's the, wor- those are the words I really wanted to get to. If I'm older and have no experience in parish life and you throw digital accompaniment accompaniment at me. I'm like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. That seems like a big deal for the future. Like you have the word accompaniment getting chucked around by the Pope all the time. And then you throw the word digital in front of it. And you're saying technology has a role in this whole evangelization thing. How are you navigating that? Like, what are the the goals of the work that you're doing to make that part of our vernacular?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the takeaway is that message and method both matter Mm -hmm. and that we can't just rely upon what we say, but how we say it and how we communicate it. I I think ministry shifted. You and I probably witnessed that pretty in a front, pretty much in a front row seat over the last couple of decades, moving from big events, kind of more anonymous Mm -hmm. uh, ministries to much more one-on-one, small groups, small community. I think we've learned something about the need to to walk with people. Mm -hmm. You know, accompaniment gets thrown around a lot, but At the heart, it's just good ministry. It's who we are. It's what we do. Yeah. Good relationship building. Relational ministry. Yes. Many of us were raised in a relational ministry for youth, youth ministry, et cetera. Mm -hmm. My observation is when it comes to technology, we've just, we're still 20, even though the tech is advanced, our method is still like 20 years behind. Oh, that's such
2: a good line. (laughs) We
1: hire communications coordinators or ask the DRE or the young, quote unquote, young person on staff to just like blast out Facebook posts and it's like, well, you're just sharing the same stuff that's in the bulletin yeah. or maybe it just is the bulletin yeah. and it's either going on a social media or through an emailed newsletter and that's not bad. It's just not good ministry yeah. and we've learned something from uh, anonymous blasting of content, whether in person or online, and I think we need to learn something about how we personally engage people in a one-on-one process of growth yeah, and technology can do that too. I think we've had a bit more of a limited imagination for how we use technology in ministry. Yeah. And I think there's emergingly better tools to help us do that better. Yeah. Um, to, you know, to bring, as I say in my talk, to bring Christ online, not only means offering Christian method me- message, but a Christian method yeah. as well. Yeah. I, do you think
2: that, Um, I mean, I know that you've had these conversations ad nauseum, but I just think it's important. You have sat on so many like, quote unquote, young adult ministry committees and beaten to death? Why is this generation leaving the church and all these things? Do you believe that uh, the digital landscape offers us uh, a place where some healthy healing and recovery could take place? Do you believe that in the work you're doing? Or do you feel Mm. like it's really a bandaid on a hemorrhage? Do you feel like there is a successful recoup of what it means to evangelize in the modern era by being
1: more savvy?
2: With the digital tools that are at our disposal,
1: I think at the end of the day, ministry has always been about going to where God's people are and uh-huh. the gospel in new ways. Yeah, well said. And so today, that means being present online. I don't, I don't think it's a band aid. I think it's just you know it's people's headband. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a yeah, band aid. Yeah, it's just it's it's the, it's the clothing people wear every day in life. Yeah. Uh, and too, for too long, we, we thought it was novel. We talked about the, right, new, that's right. the new media. Right. And goodness gracious, it's decades old now yeah. in some respects.
2: So, <laughs> well, we still think certain songs are new and they've been around true. since the 70s. That's so. true. <laughs> <sighs>
1: um, don't, don't remind me of my aging grayness. Uh, no, but, that, that, but it's so true. I, yeah. I do think that uh, technology, because it also evolves pretty quickly. I mean, tech changes a lot. But it's res- it's responding to human experience and need. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think about my own life. I raised in Kansas City, went to college in D.C. After four years, went to grad school in a program where I was bouncing between Notre Dame and Delaware for two years, and then moved to San Francisco. I was there for almost three years. Then moved back to D.C. When I was in D.C., I lived in a couple of different apartments, and that doesn't even get to my wife and I living in four different places before buying a house. Right, like lots of transient and normal. Yeah. I am not a unicorn, especially in the millennial <laughs> world of, of mobility. It's just that our parish ministries are built for people with mortgages. Yeah. And that preferences what today is more like a 30 to 35 starting point yeah. for that experience. And so if we're if we're trying to reach God's people of all ages, especially this defining decade of life in people's 20s and young adulthood. It means we have to not be built for only people with mortgages, but yeah. for people who are more on the move. Yeah, it sounds and that like that means a, meeting where they are, which is on yeah. their phones, which is transient discipleship
2: That's in it. many ways. Which exactly. isn't new, no. really. I mean, when no. you think about it. But yeah. Boy, strategically, I just don't think we're there. I don't think I don't think that we're we think about parish outreach or campus outreach that affects the fact that so much of that generation are on the move all the time. And yep. I'm not talking about military ministry. I'm talking about right. people just bouncing around from job to job or wherever their family support system helps them to land. That's incredible. That's an
1: incredible thought. And digital company doesn't need to be investing in tens of thousands of dollars of tools. I mean, technology is a cell phone. It's texting. Mm -hmm. It's WhatsApp. It's email. Mm -hmm. It's a learning management platform. It's a mobile app. It it can be all these different things. The, The key is like, are we reaching out personally? Yeah. Are we building small community are we creating a two-way communication channel, not just a one-way blast? Yes. And are we setting up people for a deeper conversation in person or yeah. online? Yeah. Um, but that actually facilitates growth. Yeah. And I think you can use lots of different tools to do yeah. it. Lots of free tools to do it. Really well articulated. But that takes time. Yeah. I mean, like anything, right? Yep. So does the ministry of accompaniment. Yep. You know, 100%. It's slow work. Yeah. But- it's
2: not easily measured. Uh. It's not super quantifiable. No. All those things fly in the face of the... Uh, metrics that we use to evaluate the success of a lay minister. So there's kind of like all those things crumble. Yeah. And it's really like, man, we get more time. I don't want to reference too much your talk because I love your talk and I can't wait for people to see it. In fact, many um, uh, f- friends that we brought in to do your, to rehearse with you, like they got off your talk and they're like, I need that person's name because I need to call them. About it. like It's like <laughs> totally this awesome, informative thing, but you do have a definition in there of digital accompaniment. Could you give it to us?
1: Yeah. A digital accompaniment is the use of technology to support long-term friendship and mentorship in the journey of faith.
2: That matters. So that that terminology matters to people that want to have this conversation. And the reason I think it matters is because you are not a snobby millennial that is telling everyone they're a loser unless they do X, Y, and Z. You're saying, stop it. You're saying, whether you're a native or an immigrant to this world, this is a tool This is a, where a population are, we need to serve them. And I appreciate that. I'm just like, I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is not, this isn't about age demographics or generational rivalries. This is like, no, this is what's in front of us. We got to go to work. I love
1: that. Right. I mean, we haven't explored this fully because I think it's a newer idea or expression in some ways, but how could digital accompaniment help us connect with the homeless community who maybe has more access to a cell phone for their own safety, but doesn't necessarily have fixed community. Yeah. Right? How can it help us serve an immigrant and refugee population? Yeah. Or, you know, migrating peoples and in, in farm workers. Like yeah. digital company it's not about white kids drinking lattes and I'm an avocado toast who are in their twenties. <laughs> I mean, well they, they need Jesus too, <laughs> but it it should be for everyone. Um, And goodness gracious, I think my mom spends more time on Facebook than I do. So I think we can, we can accompany people online of of all ages. Or
2: the next thing. You know, that's the thing that us ministers love to have a conversation about. It's like, or whatever the next thing is. We're not like slaves to the specific ideology of the time or the tool of the time. It's always, or the next thing, you know.
1: But I think talking about digital accompaniment, I hope can be a little bit of an exhale for pastoral ministers who think that they have to keep up with every new trend or fad so TikTok is not digital accompaniment. Yeah. That's a great marketing tool. It can be a fun pre-evangelization mm-hmm. tool. It can be all of those things. Mm-hmm. But it it's what you do after that. That's right. Or after any of one of those types of moments. And so the goal is not like, great, now I've got to get my priest who doesn't really like this stuff to be cool on TikTok. Like, no. Yeah. I, like, I don't it's think good it's not their so. personality, don't do it. Yeah, right. You can be an introvert and do this. You can be an extrovert and do this, mm-hmm. right? It's not fixed to one platform or program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and I think it permissions us a- away from having to be early adopters of every new tech startup fad
2: which will m- make ministers look like idiots like that that's not a that's not a strategy for success correct yeah you use the term pre-evangelization and i like that term i don't know that our listening audience thinks in terms of evangelization in that way and mm-hmm. you and i've had this conversation but i'd love to rehash it on the microphone is successful outreach ministries like theology on tap Real in your mind you've said this to me and i thought it was brilliant it was like well that's great pre-evangelization. So what that says to me is, that's great introduction to relationship, but where's the relationship? And I think there's a demographic of us, me included, that was raised in an era of the church where that was the evangelization. Yeah, That feels like the source of a problem, that there's a misunderstanding of what a process of invitation and long-term relationship, which we're calling accompaniment, Yeah. Actually, means. Can you speak to that? Did I set that up? Okay, I don't want to confuse you. Yeah, I just no. feel like when we say TikTok is pre-evangelization, or I'm saying theology on tap is pre-evangelization.
1: What are you saying that means? Yeah, I mean, theology on tap is a great case study example. It really right? is, and present and probably the most common ministry event for young people, young adults, in many ways. Yeah, that's uh, most consistent, at least across this country. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think back in the day, with Father John Cusick in Chicago, you know, started that they were doing more creative ministry. They were having those types of conversations mm-hmm. and that was fueling an invitation in person to come to come to the next thing, event mm-hmm. come to the, come to mass on sunday and so i think it was effective evangelization it also has been run now for probably 30 some years i could be off on that oh, but gosh, maybe more. maybe right maybe more actually okay yeah. so you know now what i observe is we take catholic content and we just put it in a bar and so for some guys you have seen have a uh t.o.t talk on like saint therese of the zier as like hmm Who's showing up to a talk on St. Therese <laughs> at a, in a tap room <laughs> in a bar? Like, who's your audience? Like, yeah. what, are, what are we doing here, guys? Yeah, yeah. So, we, you know, when I was running in that an office, uh, a diocesan office of young adult ministry, we tried to keep it more focused on evangelization. So, Where Can I Find God was one series where we got entrepreneurs and politicians and nonprofit leaders talking about that question. Yeah. You know, we're or, or trying to engage stimulating questions that ideally, you're really, your audience is probably the average Catholic, but who you're creating space for them to bring their body. Right. And I don't think we have a lot of tools. That's that, pre evangelization, that that. though.
2: It's an openness of invitation exactly. to a safe space yeah. to ask hard questions.
1: And, and I, I, yeah. as we analyze some of the things we we're doing, whether it's a retreat or a Theology on Tap event, we started this ministry with a couple of young adults where we have a sign in sheet, right? And you add people to your email list. Of course. But is that the best we can do? Oh. Like, is that the, the Christian method oh. of engagement? So what we started to do is, send a personal email to everybody saying, and we ask in the, in the, our little signup sheet, like name, email, what neighborhood or town do you live in? And so we'd follow up. Hey, nice to meet you, Sean. Like, thanks so much for coming this past week. Here's the link, the recording. Here's, you know, the, the sign up email sign up If you want to learn more and be kind of plugged in, um, are you connected to a church in your neighborhood? If not, I'd love to connect you to Cassandra. She's CC'd. She's, uh, the young adult ministry leader at the local parish. Yeah. Like, can we, can we use that data, that person who gave us their name that wanted to be involved? And can we help them, uh, connect There was a priest in San Francisco I worked with. Uh, he would say, we need to give young adults permission to believe, like give them permit. That's a good
2: line. Say more about that. That's a good line. Like
1: just, let's just make it easy for, for for people, right? Like, Companies use the email opt in or opt out. We're yeah. like, how do I get this? Like, they make it easy to get their stuff. Sometimes yeah. you have to do it. Yeah. That's 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 for marketing purposes. I think yeah. for Jesus' purposes, we make it easy to have a conversation, to have yeah. a relationship, to it's ask good. for help,
2: which is the gateway to faith or long a longer term relationship
1: with yeah. faith. And again, I think that longer term matters because I, I, I don't think we. I don't think most of our ministry is built for the long haul. I think we're, I think we're pretty good or getting better at like the 20 and 40 yard dash or the 10 yard split. Um, (laughs) I don't think we're good at running a mile even in our ministry. Right. And so we peter out a quarter of the way through and walk the rest of the way and wonder why we keep losing kids after eighth grade. Yeah. And then hire big research studies, which tell us that the thing that we already knew.
2: Yeah. Which is you didn't build good relationships with them or their families. Correct. (laughs) It's not rocket science. No. It's the same. It's literally the same data from the seventies. It's literally the same findings.
1: Which is kind of amazing. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. Now, really depressing, but happy we're talking about it kind of way.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I get that uh post uh original twelve patristic era Christianity, uh, as the intimacy of the center of the church started to become further and further away from from the the farmer in the field, that there needed to be new methodologies for reaching out beyond the perimeters yeah. of an urban center to get people into this space of sacrament. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. So it's not like it's a brand new idea, but man alive, it just doesn't seem
1: complicated. It's
2: just hard work. No, it it's seems hard this work.
1: vicious cycle of we need to reach out personally. We don't have people who can help us reach out personally. We need to train people who can help us reach out personally. We don't have anyone to invite to train to reach out personally. And this like broken pastoral cycle. I've, I hear from priests of like, well, I don't have anyone to like who I would trust to have that conversation. It's like, well, let's start there. Yeah. And oh, by the way. The program, the, the goal is not to send them to a program or a graduate degree. Right. The, the, the process is you mentoring them, you modeling the behavior That's right. in a one-on-one or small community relationship that you're hopeful that they will absorb and live out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, we've talked about this before on the show is just, it's, we love quantifiable matrix. We just love to add up our numbers. How, there's no young youth minister in the Catholic church that hasn't been lectured about how they don't have enough. Yeah. Kids coming to the thing. Yeah. Or adults coming to the thing. And instead we're, we're not asking, like, wow, we have a rich, we have a rich group of people that absolutely love this place. They're invested because they know they're loved and they're invited into something bigger. Yeah. That's authentic accompaniment. That's that's a caring ministry narrative. What naturally happens in that environment is people are attracted to the way people are attracted, which is mm-hmm. like, oh, the leader really adores us. And we adore them for that. And now people adore wanting to be a part of the ministry because they see us buying in. It's quantifiable in a way that doesn't look good on an HR spreadsheet. We have to let that stuff go in church. Uh, It's a hard process. It's an intimate process, but it's
1: necessary. Um, Or or try to find data that you can measure, right? Like, why not measure how many hours lay staff or the pastor is spending one-on-one coaching or mentoring?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Why not measure that? Like, why not measure how many small, I mean, small groups are I mean, diocesan forms only ask about sacramental numbers, mm-hmm. Catholic school enrollment, religious head enrollment, head counts mm-hmm. at, in the month of October. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, in, you know, we, first off the, the, sociology tells us of what works, which is this one-on-one small community mentorship stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's try to measure that. Yeah. And at least if we put it out there, maybe it causes a, a DRE to say, oh, maybe I'll meet with that new family who registered and ju- instead of just assuming that I'll see them at the parent orientation with 50 or 100 other families. That's right. That's, That's right. the type of culture shift that I think uh, we're following and tracking
2: I, here. I worked for a bishop uh, that we would have coffee and, uh, and he would say, what's your week like? And I would say, well, it's a 30,000 square mile diocese. I'm going to be in the car quite a bit this week. And he would say, good for you. Let me know how it goes. And then the same conversation with my immediate supervisor would be like, well, if you're not in the office, you're not working. (laughs) So in the same building, the same infrastructure with two positions of leadership, complete opposite version of what they thought pastoral outreach was supposed to be. That's a problem. Yeah. You know, that's a problem. That's a a problem with our measuring tools and and with the success we have. So enters this notion that we started with, digital accompaniment, which changes that landscape a little bit. I can reach you in a different way and I can be the apostle. That I'm supposed to be in a different way yeah. that still nourishes an authentic relationship.
1: Yeah, and just sees all the all the possibilities of building relationship and connection. So yeah. when I was a DRE to parish, I started a Gmail account for the religious ed program and had my own, you know, Google spreadsheet and registration form. Do you think that talked to the parish database that was literally in like the MS DOS version of that, <laughs> like the the blue screen, right, like? <laughs> That the parish secretary used? No, it Not didn't. So right. Much. So, like, we got to the point in my for late in my first year, I think, where we started like, oh, saying to the DR, the parish secretary, these are the new families. Are they enrolled or registered? Or I just put a box. The next year, would you like to register in the parish? If they clicked yes, I automated that whole process for them. They didn't have to fill out another set of forms and go during their work hours, I guess, to show up in person <laughs> to the parish office to get a paper form. As you couldn't uh, do it online.
2: Just like in the time of Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. So there's ways in which not, not mining data or, or sharing people's personal information, but within a parish, we can just connect people. Right. So yeah. that ideally if a pastor is going to do a sick call to a family, they can know something yeah. about that family. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's accompaniment, right?
2: Yeah. It's spot on. It's a hundred percent spot on. Who are your mentors? Who are the people who have really powerhoused you and, and, and taught you and, and inspired you?
1: Yeah. I, I in my talk, I, I list off a bunch of names. So, oh, which the, I love by the way. So, uh, Deb and Ed are my parents, mm-hmm. just wonderful Catholic role models for me. You know, far grew up in a farming church in northeast Kansas mm-hmm. and instilled that, you know, Aquinas' grace builds on nature. And before I knew who Aquinas was, I saw that lived out. Ah. Um the next are my two brothers who have very different faith journeys and stories, but influencers in very in very meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. I'm the youngest, so that, that that lends itself. Me too, babies. Um, yeah, we do. We're the best. They stop for a reason, <laughs> right, Doug? Um, so uh, Nathan and Ben are my two brothers, and then Maddie and Jared were both seminarians who led ministry uh, summer camp. Maddie taught me how to play guitar and led my the first mass that I did music ministry for. Um, they both tragically died in a car accident at Munderland Seminary. No okay. Um Back in, I'm gonna get the year wrong, so forgive me, Kansas City crew. Uh, somewhere like in 2005, around then. Wow. And um, yeah, it really shattered the, the the Archdiocese of Kansas City where I grew up, and yeah. just were both like lights. Yeah. In the church and and were really meaningful mentors and leaders there. And yeah. Debbie and Dana, who led who led ministry and camp and youth and programs, I've worked for for years in the Archdiocese of Kansas City friar Santo, a campus minister at Catholic University, my friend Lindsey, um who was a men- was a mentor and continues to be in different ways. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean,
2: you're a listener and a learner. Is what you're, I mean that's so what I get from you. I'm just it's, like
1: very fortunate and recognize like, oh wow, people don't have that experience. I love it. I love it. Where can
2: I learn more about uh, Catholic Faith Technologies?
1: Yeah, visit us online at catholicfaithtech.org or um shoot me an email if you're interested in in talking one-on-one you know yeah. that accompaniment thing we can we can live that out too so yeah. Jay lewis at catholicfaithtech.com. be I happy to it. talk
2: jonathan you uh you've been a pillar for so long and just uh, a place where i go to for great honest and transparent answers <laughs> when, I, when i need them and <laughs> off the uh, mic off. i love it i love it i think it's fantastic i'm really thankful thanks for joining us on the oh, show my privilege thank you more importantly for giving your osv talk which i adore which i think is a gift to the working world of, of ministry. And uh, we're all, we're all better off because you're teaching us. So thanks so much.
1: Very kind.
2: Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. OSV brings you these talks from prominent Catholic leaders to get the church talking. You can enjoy all OSV talks at osvtalks.com. Please rate and review our show wherever you like to listen until next time.
0: God bless. Today's episode is sponsored by the Catholic TV Network, the oldest Catholic television network in the United States. The Catholic TV is not just on television. Check out Catholic TV's YouTube channel for original series like Superheroology, which looks at the connections between the faith and your favorite superheroes, or Visio Divina, which guides you through scripture-based meditations on sacred art. On Catholic TV's YouTube channel, you'll also find prayers of the church and daily homilies from the Catholic TV Mass. Subscribe at youtube.com slash catholic tv.